is President Trump's first deputy national security advisor. She helped set standards in the White House. In the Pentagon, she was the equivalent to a four-star general. And now, it's time to set the record straight. It's The Briefing with KT McFarland, exclusively on Kevin McCullough Radio. So glad to have you with us. Uh, thanks to Governor Huckabee for joining us, as he normally does. Always love it when this lady joins us, too. Lady McFarland, KT McFarland, former Pentagon official uh, in multiple administrations, and uh, always keeping her eye on what's going on. And before we talk about a domestic story, uh, KT, I, I have been very interested in wanting to get your reaction to the president's trip to Kiev, his announcement that $500 million was going to pay Ukrainian pensions and social programs, uh, and the uh, overall kind of general statement that he had of we're, we're in this uh, till the end and then tripping on his way back up the stairs to the plane again. By the way, I think uh, Mr. Trump has been on and off a plane five or six times in the last week, and he didn't trip once. Uh, but that's kind of neither here nor there. KT, what's, what's your take on uh, Biden in Ukraine? Well, it's a nice photo op, right? And he makes a nice speech. But, we're, you know, where's the beef, as the old commercial was? So he's talking about, you know, spending more American money. But I didn't hear him say, and therefore our European leaders are totally with us on this project, and they're going to up their defense spending for their own defense, and they're also going to up their contributions, financial contributions, as well as security and military contributions to the effort of Ukraine. I didn't hear any of that. So in other words, the United States is now basically, we're paying for this war, which we might yeah, want we're, to do, we're but up we're to, paying for it. We're up to $130 billion. I think all the rest of Europe is somewhere around 10 um, Exactly. What, so... And, you know, so, so, you know, Donald Trump, when we were in the Oval Office, the first phone call President Trump took was from the German Chancellor Angela Merkel. <clears throat> and the first thing out of her mouth was a sort of nasty, what are you going to do about Ukraine? And just, he had all the briefing papers that we had given him on his desk. He sort of pushed them aside. He said, wait a minute, what are you going to do about Ukraine? Ukraine is your neighbor. It's not ours. And you're, you're, you have great economies at the time, and you're not contributing to adequately defend yourselves, much less right. Ukraine. Why is it always America who has to foot the bill? And so I'm concerned about where's the European contribution. I'm also concerned about what's the end plan here? I mean, it sounds, when you listen to Joe Biden and the Ukrainian president, like, well, it's unconditional surrender. The Russians have to unconditionally surrender to us, or we're just going to keep fighting forever. And I guess America keeps paying forever. But the problem is, as long as energy prices are high, and that's as a result of Joe Biden's decision to not let American energy be produced, his war on American fossil fuels. As a result of that, not only are we no longer energy independent as a nation, but the price of energy is really high. Now, who does that benefit? Russia. Russia's exports are, are all, all about oil and natural gas. So as long as Russia has high energy prices, Russia can fight this war forever. They can get maybe military equipment they're going to have to buy from somebody. Maybe China's going to have to help them out on some military equipment, other things. But as long as energy prices remain high because of Joe Biden, then Russia can fight forever. So we're kind of paying for both sides of this war. Today, China came out and said that they they have a list of uh, suggestions for how to resolve the conflict. And it's for the West to take off all of their, um, uh, you know, um, sanctions against Russia. All the tariffs, everything has to go. And uh, basically to say that Russia was justified in its original invasion. Is this going anywhere? No. And, and China's hedged themselves very nicely. You know, they kind of win no matter what happens. 
So if Russia wins, they win because then NATO is dismembered and the United States is humiliated. They also win if Russia loses because Russia's going to have to get money from somewhere. Russia's going to have to get rebuilt from somewhere. I think at the end of the day, Russia is going to have to sell part of eastern Siberia to China that they're going to have to, in exchange, not necessarily for Chinese money, but in exchange for Chinese military equipment. And if Russia is defeated, then all of a sudden China has a much greater opportunity, um, sort of those countries south of Russia, you know, the Stans, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, et cetera, and the former Soviet Union countries. So China's playing this just right. And when China says, oh, peace plan, which is American unconditional surrender, Right. The Chinese understand that they can bleed us for a long time. And well, while we're being bled in Ukraine, what are we not doing? Well, we're not fi- fixing the American military. We're not building up our Navy to challenge China. We're not going to be able to have a military relationship with Taiwan. So, again, I guess I look at the last 20 years of American foreign policy and say, okay, for 20 years we took our eye off the ball of China and the rising threat of China because we were so focused on the Middle East. And are we taking our eye off the ball against China now? Because we can't, you know, the United States only has so many times we can give people money and lend money. I'm not saying that we stop supporting Ukraine, but I think we need to temper everybody's expectations. This is not going to be America spending $100 billion a year for the next five years. We just can't afford it. it. It would come at such enormous expense to our national security and our ability to, to stand up to the real strategic threat the United States has, which is China. Do you believe, because I'm hearing more scuttlebutt about this, do you believe that there is a possibility that this conflict expands beyond where it's at now with China, Iran, and North Korea kind of lining up and kind of in the pocket of Putin uh, and NATO kind of being on the other side of that? Is, is, is that a concern to KT McFarland at all? It's not a concern in the sense of a hot war. But I do think the world is splitting into two parts, and on, like we did during the Cold War. And on the one side is China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. On the other side is the United States, NATO countries, probably Japan, South Korea, Australia. The big swing and the big sort of wild card in this is India. They'll want to remain neutral, but did they, are they going to be forced to jump on one side or the other of this global divide? And we are now, you know, it is a proxy war. Russia is fighting of Russia China are now going to especially if China participates militarily with Ukraine and with Russia it's now a proxy war it's, it's like east versus west all over again hmm. and unlike the last time around where we had a superior economy superior technology superior support around the world i am very concerned because i don't think you know china and russia together is not going to be like china and russia together was in the 1970s china is a huge economy its technology is at our point, if not exceeding our point in many cases. And Russia has all the natural resources. I mean, while everybody was, like, watching President Biden and Kiev, did anybody notice the fact that the Chinese just tested some weapon systems which yeah. we don't have? Yeah. Is anybody, like, worrying about that balloon up in outer space? Did anybody just worry about the fact that, wait a minute, that balloon or others like it could carry hypersonic weapons? We don't have those weapons. We don't have any defense. So China is already zooming ahead of us in a lot of capabilities. And where are we? You know, the Secretary of the Navy warned that, oh, wait a minute, China is building more naval vessels. They're going to have a bigger Navy than we'd have in a very short period of time. 
the other, the Army people were saying, well, China is building an intercontinental ballistic missile threat that's going to be equal, if not surpassing ours. I mean, are we not, are we not hearing this? Are we just so focused, again, on something that's not really our major strategic? The one thing that could challenge the United States is if China ruling the world, then we're done. Yeah. Well, uh, we were going to talk about some other things, but I found this to be of great, much greater importance. KT McFarland, thank you for your analysis today. We always appreciate it. Honor and a pleasure always, Kevin. Thank you. Have a great weekend, lady. Talk to you soon. All right. Okay, when we too. come back, uh, we're going to talk to um, Yvonne Garcia Hidalgo uh, of the president and CEO of Americano Media. Why? Because Hispanics are finding a shift in their demographic towards the GOP. What's causing that? And how can we um, understand what's happening there? He'll tell us. And then a little bit later on, Bethany Mandel will be with us on a controversy surrounding kids' literature. Stay with us. <laughs> 